Everybody, please be seated. Well, I made the request last time I was here, and guess what? I'm back. Yay. And uh, thank you, Pastor, for opening that door for me. And uh, I'm going to be back again the end of this month on our third time. So they say you have not because you ask not. So I asked to come back, and here I am. So what a wonderful experience today. Thank you, family, if you're still here and sharing your grandchildren, your children with us in that moment of intimacy with Jesus blessed all of us, didn't it? It blessed us all for sure. And worship team, I don't know where you are. If you're still in here, would you just stand up, please, all the worship team? Could you give them a thank you, Lord Jesus? Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, All the ushers, I want to say thank you for what you do. Um, you, we know people sometimes think, oh, they're just ushering, but they're handling the provision of the vision, and that is a very high honor. So we want to say thank you for that as well, really. So on the way here today, I, I was remembering that this church sits on a hill. Now, I don't know how many hills there are in this area. I don't think there's many, are there? Is this the only one? I, I, I don't know. I'm not that familiar with the Far East like this. But I do remember when we first purchased the property, I thought, this is interesting. It's a church on the hill. Yeah. Then the Holy Spirit spoke to me as to why it's on the hill. In ancient Israel, cities were built on a hill for reasons. Number one, to defend against the attacks of the enemy. And they would often build 20 to 30 foot walls around the city that was on the hill, which made it nearly impossible, impregnable, for an enemy to breach their wall. Even the Roman Empire, which was the most powerful army known in history at the time, tried to breach Masada. Masada is 700 feet above the sea level ground in Israel, and they built their town on top of the hill, a Masada. And so Jewish people went to Masada to flee the Romans. I don't know how many know this story, but it took Rome two years to build a ramp from the ground level all the way up so that they could defeat the people, and they used Jewish people as slaves to build a ramp to be able to get to the level so they can destroy other Jewish people. Now, if you know the story about those Jews at Masada, rather than surrender to Rome, when Rome got there, they were all dead. They had committed mass suicide. Rather than give themselves over to the enemy, they gave themselves over to death. Now, that's a tragic story, but here's the point about this particular church. As I was driving up, God said, I put it on a hill for a reason. And tell the congregation today that they have a strong defense against the enemy here on this hill. To bring their families here, their children here, their grandchildren here, and build a wall, not out of brick and stone, but Zechariah 2 and verse 5, a wall of fire 
around you, Zechariah said, I will be a wall of fire around you and the glory in your midst. So I, I parked my borrowed vehicle today. I borrowed a truck from the church <laughs> to get here. But uh, I parked it, and as I walked across, I said, Lord, let your glory fall. And didn't his glory come and invade us this morning during worship and during baptism? We don't take it lightly, do we? All right, it's 1052 if you are taking medicine and you need to take one something at 11. But uh, I promise not to keep you much longer than 11 something. That clock is very big and very ominous back there. I can see it. <clears throat> I think that's why you put it there, right, Pastor? Someone told me that Pastor doesn't normally have that clock there, only when Pastor Kayatin comes. He puts that <laughs> clock up there. I don't know if that's true. but Is that true? No? It's not true. Okay. I want to take a, a moment to look at Psalm 110, verse 3, and I want you to look in your Bible with me about it. Uh, we are in an amazing day, and if I talk about it too much, I'll start to cry because I'm so privileged to see it. I was so privileged to hear those two testimonies today. Um, I was privileged to see a generation that's following hard after God, and for me to be a witness of it, I am so blessed. I am blessed today to say I have great-grandchildren. Uh, that is amazing. You know, you're blessed if you have your grandchildren. But to have your great, great, grand, is it great, great? No, great grandchildren. And I'm looking for my great greats. I said, Lord, just give me 20 more years. And I might pull out a great great. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But look at this. Uh, Psalm 110, verse 3. Do we have it there? Yeah. The people, or your people, shall be volunteers in the day of your power. Now notice there's two possessive terms here, your people and your power. Your people and your power go together. God's power was intended for his people. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. This is this is amazing in the beauty of holiness. From the womb of the morning, from the womb of the morning, you have the, you have the dew of your youth. Now, let me just hold that scripture there, if you can, for a few minutes, because I just want to explain it as a way of introduction. The scripture is really saying this, use all your energies, your gifts, your talents, and your strengths to reinvigorate a generation towards God. You see, the holy garments, the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning. The womb of the morning is literally means the creative energy of God by his spirit. So God says he's going to reinvigorate a generation by the acts of those who recognize the day that they're in, which is the day of his power. But it's hard to walk in the day of his power if you don't recognize you're in that day. So recognizing the day in which you live will release the power of that day into your life for the purpose of reinvigorating a generation 
from the womb are the creative energies of God to display the beauty of His holiness on the earth. See, Sunday morning is more than just attending church. It is releasing a generation into the creative abilities of God in the earth. And then it says that the dew of the youth, of your youth, will be yours. In other words, it will not be a faded out energy. It will not be a worn out faith. Now, pastoring for many years and being in ministry for near 50 now, that's a long time, I've seen a lot of worn out saints. I've seen a lot of people who were engaged in the ministry for a season and then gave up on, the, on God. Matter of fact, yesterday we got a prayer request from a sister who has eight siblings whose father was a prophetic voice in the church for many years and who all of them, when they were young, followed their father's footsteps, learned to prophesy, learned to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, and were by his side. But today, seven of the eight are no longer serving God. They faded They faded away. You know, in worship, you can tell when you're fading, when his presence doesn't feel fresh to you anymore. It ought to be a sign to us that there is not anything wrong with the church or the worship team or with God, but it's something with me. I need to be reinvigorated by the creative powers of God. So, I have to press in. I have to ask the Lord to show me where is it that I need to be touched in my life in order to feel the presence of God like I did. Now, there's a lot of reasons why people volunteer. Now, I mentioned some volunteers here this morning. There are many others that make this church what it is. But Isaiah volunteered in the kingdom of God for three reasons. Number one, as an appreciation for what God did for him. It's a motivation to say, thank you, Lord, right, for giving to me thy great salvation, so full and so free. In other words, Lord, I just want to wake up this morning and say thank you. And the way I'm going to say thank you is I'm going to engage in your work on the earth. So that's what Isaiah did. He said, I want to say thank you for what you did. Number two, a realization of the need that others have in their life. Every person in this room has a need or multiple needs. And if we can get past the negative attitudes, if we can get past the people who are rude to us or maybe, you know, use us or are mean in some way to us and realize that they have a need and my call from God is not necessarily to react to their meanness but to minister to their need. What is their need? Maybe their need is acceptance. Maybe their need is affirmation. Maybe their need is they need a friend. Maybe they're lonely. Whatever it is. But I have the Holy Spirit. I live in the day of His power to be able to discern that, walk through the objections of my flesh, and reinvigorate the kingdom. Number three is recognition of God's will. So Isaiah did it for three reasons. An appreciation for God, a realization that others have need, and number three, he recognized it was God's will for his life to build the church.
Now, I want to share with you three quick points of why it's important to engage in your local church. Number one, if you remember the story of Deborah in the book of Judges, and if you don't, you can follow along. I want to start in Judges 5 and verse 7. And so if we can look at that verse now, that would be uh, helpful. Judges 5 and verse 7, it says this, that until Deborah arose to be a mother in Israel. Now, that scripture tells us that there was a turning point in Israel's history when Deborah rose up to become a volunteer. or be, She rose up to be a leader or a mother in Israel. Here it is. It says this in the New King James Version. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel. Now what's village life? Okay. The body of Christ. The church. The community of faith. The people of God. What was happening? They were diminishing. They began to cease. Until Deborah arose. A mother in Israel. The word mother is very significant because it speaks of nurturing. It speaks of feeding. It speaks of caring. It speaks of providing. In other words, Deborah, when she arose into her gifting and engaged in building the kingdom, then all of a sudden those where life had ceased or had diminished began to get reinvigorated because mother was back home. She was cooking. She was baking. How many remember as a child coming home from school and as closer you got to the door and the smell of those cookies baking in the oven, you knew everything was going to be all right because mama wasn't far away. There's something about having a mama in the church. And I'm not talking about just a woman of old age. You know, some people say, she's a mother in the church. Why? Because she's 80? You can be 13 and be a mother. You follow me? That is past the age of puberty, isn't it? 13? I think so. So you can be a mother a little early. So don't think that you can't be a mother in the spirit at a young age. You can you can be a nourisher. Here's what it says. There was confusion in their faith and there was conflict in their lives until she arose. Let me read it from you, for you in the Message Bible. That same verse. Let's see. Well, I'll start with verse. Hmm. Let me say this. Verse 7. Public roads. This is a Message Bible. Public roads were abandoned. Travelers went by back roads. Warriors became fat and sloppy. No fight left in them. Then you, Deborah, rose up. You got up. A mother in Israel. God chose new leaders who then fought at the gates and not a shield or a spear to be seen among the 40 companies of Israel. When Deborah arose... New warriors and new leaders rose up with her. My question is, who is waiting for you to rise up? Who needs you to stand up and say, I'll do it. I'll go. This is important. I'll be a part of it. I'll lead the way. Because when you do, there are others, according to this scripture in the original text of Hebrew, in the Hebrew text, text that says, those were waiting in the wings until Deborah arose. And when she arose, there was a flood 
of reinvigorated church members, and the thing got to be what they call on fire. How many want to go to an on fire church? Amen? Yeah, me too. I want to go to an on fire church. So that when you ask somebody, would you like to pray? You got 25 people rushing up to get the microphone. Because everybody loves to pray, right? When you say we're going to pray for this young uh, child of God this morning, where she confessed that she needs healing, then all of a sudden the whole church comes. Because everybody believes in healing. Can I get an amen? Now, Notice this, the Hebrew says there was confusion and conflict in their ranks until Deborah arose. May I ask the question, do you think America is living in confusion? Okay. Do you think there is conflict in our nation? It's divided. People who are blue are moving to blue states. People who are red are moving to red states. You say, well, all right, if that's up to them if they want to do that. Why are we so divided? There's confusion and there's conflict within our nation. Let me ask this. Is there confusion and conflict in your own family? Sure there is. We've all experienced it because it is what the enemy brings. He knows that confusion and conflict bring defeat. But notice what happened when Deborah arose. Confusion and conflict were done away with. And it brought unity back. So when you and I volunteer, or when you and I say, yes, use my gifts from the womb of your morning, your creative ability and energy that's in me, then I will see those who have been disenfranchised, those who have been offended, those that have been on the outside looking in will suddenly be drawn back and drawn in to the kingdom of God because when they walk in the church house on Sunday morning, it's just not swaying with a, with a typical beat or it's not because of lights or cameras or, or dried ice or some new program, but it's because the people of God are mothers and fathers who understand that there has been a generation broken without a home without a mother without a father without a purpose without understanding and they'll say this is the place that I've been looking for why do young people join gangs they join gangs so they have an identity so they have a brother they have someone who backs them up someone who they can relate to why hasn't the church been that Judges 5.2, the leaders of Israel stood up and the people offered themselves willingly. Come on, leaders. Judges 5.21, here's what it says. March forward, my soul. March on with strength. You see, when people rise up, you invigorate the whole church. Second. Not only did Deborah rescue a generation, David gathered for the next generation. Now, I share with you a little bit about my 18 grandchildren, eight great-grandchildren, and my great-great-grandchildren that are on their way. They are in the loins of Jackson and Tommy and Judah. And every once in a while, I'll say to Judah, I'll say, Judah, and he's now, he's now going to be five. I'll say, Judah, 
do you know you have my great-grandchildren in there? And he looks at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'll say to Mila, and I'll say to Riley, I'll say to the, to the little girls, hey, did you know you have my great-greats are going to be in your womb? Because I am not preparing for me, but I am here to prepare for what follows me. Pastor Mike, thank you for saying that to me this morning. He said, did you ever think when we were building this building or when we were remodeling it after we bought it that you would see this display of love for Jesus and the water baptism? And I said, well, I was hoping so. But to see it is a fulfillment of vision because it doesn't look that high. And I've made mention of this before, but... Being on the top of that peak on a ladder by yourself with a bucket of paint and a paintbrush at my age, that's scary up there. But it wasn't for me that I was painting it. I hope it looks okay, girls. Does it look all right? I did that for you. I didn't even know you then. But we are gathering for the next generation. What are we gathering? Are we gathering Holy Spirit giftings? Are we gathering eternal life principles? Are we gathering the people of God together? See, David gathered together all the necessary elements to build the temple. But he was never going to build the temple. God said, you're not going to build it. Your son's going to build it. Now, if that was me, I'd say, well, then let him gather the stuff to build it if I ain't building it. But David was burdened and passioned to gather the materials necessary so the next generation, all they had to do was order the construction. You and I have to begin thinking in terms of beyond ourselves. That's why we want the legacy of this ministry to continue until Jesus comes. We don't want it sold for condominiums. We don't want it sold for new apartment buildings. We don't want it sold for maybe a strip club or something that's going to buy it and put up a sign that says, you know, whatever, whatever. That's not what we want. We want this place to expand. We want it to build. We want it to become strong. And 50 years from now, if Jesus tarries, we want the Holy Ghost to still keep popping and the fire of God to keep falling. Why? Because we know there's a generation that's going to need the move of God. So it's our responsibility to prepare for it. In 1 Chronicles 29 and 7, they gave toward the work on the temple of God. The people gave willingly. That's why you give your tithe. That's why you give your offering to make the the ministry and the testimony strong. That's why you give of your time to help cut grass or take the offering or work with the children or whatever it is because you are looking at those children as future members that have a call of God on their life. Every moment in the house of God, no matter how old you are, you are being impressed by the Holy Spirit about your future. Can I tell you, when I was first saved, I was a confused young man. I was out of the hippie generation, and I know that's Jesus' revolution movie. That was me. But, you know, I... 
I didn't know anything about the kingdom. I didn't know anything about the Bible, but I got saved. And the people that motivated me, moved me was by what I saw. The only reason why when I come into a sanctuary and I'm preaching that day, I pray on my knees before a service. You know why? Because the lady that led me to the Lord almost 50 years ago, that's what she did. And she built that into her life and put it in me. And I'm still doing it 49 years later. You see, we've got to be willing to see beyond ourselves. And when I sat as a brand new convert in a service and I watched this preacher preach, he was a missionary and he came from a foreign land and he got up there and he was preaching about Jesus saves I'm like, man, that is powerful. And all of a sudden, I had this thought in my brain. You know what it was? You can do that. And after I heard, I'm like, no, not me. I ain't doing that. There's no way. But I was a young convert in the volunteering of the kingdom atmosphere, growing up in the things of God, like Samuel who heard Samuel, Samuel, and he thought it was Eli calling him because he didn't know yet the voice of God until Samuel said, no, go back and say, yes, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. He had to be taught the generational acquaintances of God, the interactions of God. He had to be, he had to com- be communicated to about what this is in them. This is that, Peter said. In other words, you have to understand that this is a move on what God has said in the past. That's why this morning, <clears throat> what you witnessed in that tub over there is more than just a baptismal service. It is, a, it is a laying down of the mosaic of a future of young people who experience God. And to her own credit, to her own words, she said, when I went under the water. What, what did you say? When, when I went under the water, what happened? When I went under the water, I just felt like I got saved. She felt like she just got saved when she went under the water. How many know when you feel like you're saved, you got something? You made provision for her. Who filled up the tank this morning? Who did it? You both point at each other. Where'd this come from? Where'd you get it? You don't even know where you got it. The church got it. All right, the church got it. Who carried it in here? Pastor, you carried it in here? Dang, you're strong. All that behind-the-scenes thing. It is a privilege to carry that in here. It is a privilege to fill it with water. Because when she came under the water of the very thing you carried in, when no one was here, no one looking around, and you were like, I don't know why I got to do all this myself. Who ran the hose? 
You follow, you follow what I'm talking about. There's something significant. You are gathering for a generation to be able to experience God for themselves. People don't get saved because your parents are saved. They've got to have an encounter themselves. That's why we have to make provision for them. We create an atmosphere of rejoicing when we volunteer. Number three. How many points do I have? Did I tell you how many I have? Five. No, I don't have five. I only have three. I just said number three. You know what that means, don't you? It's the last one. While Deborah rescues and David gathers, the Holy Spirit empowers. On the day of Pentecost, when they were all gathered together in the upper room, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound. It was like rushing mighty wind. And cloven tongues of fire fell upon each of them. 120 who were sitting in the upper room. And the cloven tongue of fire is interesting because it was a fire on each. You had your fire, you had your fire, you had your fire, and on and on and on and on. And if you study the original text, it actually can be interpreted this way. And splinters of God himself fell upon each of them. For our God is a consuming fire. I keep walking out of the camera. I'm sorry. Our God is a consuming fire. <laughs> I forget about that. I'm used to people going like this. That's just straight on, baby. So, so it's, a, it's a splinter of who God is that he gave to each of them that changed them internally. The day of his power was the giving of the Holy Spirit every person who believes. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, your life is changed. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the endowment of power from on high, experienced by a believer, will Activate the release of the gifts of the Spirit of God in your life and sensitize your hearing to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Psalm 139 says that we were created by God while we were yet in our mother's wombs. He knew us. And what else did he say? He said there was a book written about us. Did you know before you were even created in your mother's womb, God wrote a book and said, I'm going to call this book Louis Cayetan. <sighs> Introduction. Chapter 1, page 1. His birth. Now, his birth is going to be a bit of a challenge. Seeing how both his mother and father will be married to other people at the time of his birth. Exclamation point. Man, I can't put this book down. This is amazing. You mean that's me? 
See, over my life, I thought I could rip out that page because I was embarrassed over that and the heartache that it caused me and the rejection that it, that it threw at me. And I could tell you that some other time, but the point is there was a book written about me. There was also a chapter in there called The Call to Ministry. Chapter maybe 15 or 16. It was a night following Sunday night service when Lou felt he should stay and pray in the sanctuary by himself. As he was praying, I spoke to him and said, will you do that thing that you saw that missionary do some years ago and preach? And he'll say yes. Now, why am I saying this? The book that was written about you and about me, only the Holy Spirit can read it. Because it's written by the hand of God. And even though my story, if I read it in the natural, could be devastating, could be hurtful and painful. But if I read it through the Spirit of God, it'll be restorative, it'll be redemptive, and it'll be renewable. You've got to ask yourself, where are you reading from? Yourself or from the Holy Spirit? Because the Spirit knows the beginning from the end. And he is the one now can guide you day by day based on the book that was written by God when the enemy tried to destroy you from the very point of your birth. God turned it around and said, Watch this, devil. I'm going to call him in chapter 14 to be a preacher. See what I'm saying? But if I would read it in my natural, I'd say, Oh, man, I'm so embarrassed. My family, what were you thinking? Now I'm alcoholic. Now I'm on drugs because I've suffered rejection so deeply by half the family who cursed at me and spit on the ground when they saw me and turned their backs literally on me when they saw me because I was the bastard child. I'm the one that was responsible to break up the families. I was reminded of that. That's the natural side. But the spiritual side said what the devil meant for evil. God turned for good. Come on, somebody. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It is the day of his power. We must be people of the spirit. It's called dudamus. God's miraculous power and his ability. I can't preach. I can't pastor. I don't even want to pastor. I did it for 40 years. Why'd you do it? Because the Holy Spirit made me do it. Didn't want to do it. I didn't feel qualified to do it. I felt unqualified. I felt like I was the worst choice ever. But the Holy Spirit knew and God knew before the foundation of the earth what I was to do. You cannot disqualify yourself based on your history. You've got to qualify yourself based on his recording. 
of your history. So volunteering is predicated on the gifting of the Holy Spirit and recognizing that power. In other words, your gift, your passions, your heart is a good indication of your destiny and what God wants for you. Romans 12 and 6 says this, since our gifts vary depending on the grace poured out on each of us, it is important that we exercise the gift that we've been given. Teaching, serving, giving, prophesying, encouraging, leadership, God's mercy, cheerfulness, loving others well. In other words, don't wear a mask. Love authentically. Learn to love unselfishly. When we do this, friends, we reinvigorate a generation. It's not all about us. It's about the cause. I must do this because when Deborah arose, she became a mother. Until she arose, she was just another girl. To be a nurturer, to be a caregiver, to be one who teaches and, care, and covers their children and teaches them and raises them. It's the same thing in the body of Christ. So to love others well, it now becomes predicated on the fact that I see that I'm a rescuer. I'm a rescuer. It's interesting, isn't it? That we're rescuers. My wife is teaching a Bible study called emotion, Spiritual Emotional Healing. Spirit, emotional Spiritual Healing or something like that. You been there? A couple of you been there? And it's a teaching on how to go back and get the victory before you can go forward. See, we may have been saved, and we may have Jesus in our hearts, but we still have Grandpa in our bones. And until we can recognize that he doesn't belong there with all his idiosyncrasies, his pains, his limitations, his sorrows, I have to put God's story in the place of his story. Just because my grandfather was an alcoholic and my father was an alcoholic doesn't mean that I'm going to be an alcoholic because we're going to rewrite the story. You get what I'm saying? And that only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm wondering today, as we get ready to close, is are you ready to make Wycliffe a place where it's reinvigorating a generation. It takes everyone. And so I have these little things here. Let me see those if I may. Thank you, sir. I just happened to have these on my way to here to, from, from the office. There are a couple things that we really need to see happen here. 
One is a greeter's ministry. Now, I had some people standing by the door of the day when I came in. I said hello to all of them. They said hello to me. But let me take greeting one more step further. Holy Spirit, show me something about this person. Give me insight. What are they going through? Oh, they just got a recent diagnosis? Oh. Oh, look at their face. It's downcast. Let me speak to that. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? How are you really doing? We're here today because we believe in people. We believe in you. Tell me your story. What have you been through that you've got the victory for God? Say, well, I don't have time for that. I got other people coming. Well, the next greeter will pick up the next person. But spend some time with that person and let them know that they, I have this model. The person in front of me, I'll just use you if I can. At any given moment, make them the most important person in your life at that moment. Be looking to see who else is coming and what else you can get from somebody else, but make that person who's in front of you to be the most important person in your life at that moment. Usher team. Ushers, I don't know if you realize this, but when you're handling the tithe and it belongs to God and it's holy, I would carry that bag with Jesus. I am serious. Or asking somebody if you can assist them, whether they come in with a limp physically or even one emotionally, or what the people who sit in the same place all the time. And you notice they weren't here Sunday, and they come back the next Sunday and say, Hey, Bob, I just realized you weren't here last week. Everything okay with you? As an usher, I realized that three people in my section were gone. Now, a church this size, it doesn't take a lot of sections. You get the last four rows, you get the middle four rows, and you get the first three. You get those three. I, it's pretty easy to do, but wouldn't it be something that not just the pastor, but the usher called after church about 1 o'clock in the afternoon and say, Hey, dude, I just wanted you to know I noticed you weren't in church today, and I know that God is good all the time, and I just want to make sure you're okay. Hallelujah. Are you okay? And they say, Yeah, man, I'm doing great. My son-in-law came in from town with my daughter, and we're having fun. We're having a quote. Well, that's awesome. Just celebrate your family. But maybe that wouldn't be the case. That's what an usher can do. It's what an usher can begin to say. What's the next one we've got? We have hospitality team. I'm not sure what they do other than be hospitable. Do they make food and stuff? What is a hospital? Yeah, okay. Hospitality team. Yep, that's, that's a way of being able to express kindness. How many know what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is? You know what it is? Kindness is one. Gentleness is another. Did you know Mark 10, 45 says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life ransom for many. When you serve someone, even a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Today I was reminded, well, this past week, I was helping my daughter Mary. She needed her house painted, and she's all fretting and everything. And I said, I'll come over and help you. I'm not as spry as I used to be, but I can get up and down the ladder. So I was painting, and I went into this one room that she once painted, so I was surveying it. And I saw on the far wall a picture of me reaching out to little Dominic at three years of age. 
holding up a glass of water. And the caption says, a cold cup of water to a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And I'm like, Dominic? That's little Dommy? Now, maybe some of you don't know Dominic. He's 31 years old now. Hospitality. A cold cup of water to somebody. And today, he is in Texas with his wife, Emily. And he, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. He is going to be introduced as the new pastor at Fountain Lakes Church in Abilene, Texas, where his father-in-law pastored for 35 years. And I sent him a text today, and I just thought of that cup of cold water picture. And he's looking up at me like a little bo- little baby boy, and he's like, here, Papa. And I have my Bible in my hand, and I take out that cup of cold water. How many people are you affecting when you hand them that plate, when you give them that drink or you say can I can I get you another can I get you another napkin do you need something that you are investing in them the future of their call hospitality children's ministry I can't talk enough about that I'm out of time but children's ministry ladies and gentlemen children's ministry is so powerful look if you're going to watch a baby in the nursery just tell the mother when they drop them off. Is it all right if I pray for your child while I have them here? Hold that baby and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare, I decree a thing. You said it shall be established according to your word in the book of Job. I decree and I declare over this child, Father, that they shall, they shall grow. They shall have strength. They shall have wisdom. They shall walk in the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit all the days of their life. Father, I thank you for this baby because this baby will have health. No evil shall befall this child. And I thank you in Jesus' name that you put a wall of fire around this baby. Hallelujah. Oh, church is over. Oh, here's your baby back. What did you do? You invested prophetically into that child. And then what about media? The sound, the visuals, the, the, the words to help us worship. The, the, the screens that are important to accent what's being said area of ministry is so vital and what we're asking you to do is my altar call is going to be a little weird today I want you to come do we have a pen? do we have pens? look at pastor he is so like prepared look at him. look at all these pens we've got pens and so what I'm going to do uh, hmm, where can I put them pastor? I don't know how about if I put them down here you want to help me just put one on one side one on the other and we'll just give you some pens over here some pens over there and I want you to say Holy Spirit what can I do to invest in this ministry to reinvigorate a generation would you do that let's pray Father in Jesus name I'm asking you to move upon your people and I'm asking you to show them where they can use their gifting in Jesus' name. Now, I'm asking you to do this just until, what is this, July 10th? Ninth. 
until October 1st. I'm only asking for like 80 days. Anybody can do 80 days. And if this ministry volunteerism is only on Sundays, divide that way down. But I want everybody to consider one aspect of ministry. Say, well, I don't know anything about media. Well, learn. Go volunteer. They'll teach you. Will you all teach somebody back there? Will you teach them? Okay. I'm asking you to respond to the Holy Spirit. Let's stand up. Thank you, Lord. You play so pretty. Thank you. Father, thank you. Touch now, I pray in Jesus' name. Now, Pastor Marlon and Michelle are coming with oil to anoint. And Pastor Mike and Trina are coming to anoint. I don't know who else the pastors are or leaders are, but they're going to stand here on the right and left. And as you come, they want to anoint you with oil for a reinvigorated encounter with the Holy Spirit so that you can take your giftings to this generation, okay? This is really important. The contact point, the touch, the prayer, this is very vital. So if you would right now, you want to come for prayer first, would you come now and just line up across here to the front, on this side and on this side, and they're going to lay hands on you, anoint you with oil, and ask the Holy Spirit to reinvigorate and activate the giftings that are in your life, all right? Come on, come on. Before you go that way, you can come this way. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. Just just stand across the front here, please. And stand here, shoulder to shoulder, across the front here, please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Perfect submission. All is at rest. I, in my Jesus, am happy and blessed, right? This is my story, and this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Come on, there's room over here. You can come up here if you like. Please, ma'am, why don't you come up here? And just pray for them, anoint them, do it. Praise God. And over here as well. Thank you, Lord. Come on up here. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. And those of you that need to go, we certainly understand. You can be released. Thank you for allowing me to come. I'm going to be back on the 30th. So I'll share with you another message. I don't know. Holy Spirit will show me. But God bless all of you. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. We'll see you next time.